we should have like these uh, like deet celebration like party hats. Why didn't th- we think about party hats, Paul? Why? Why? <laughs> you can have a virtual party hat. <laughs> Let's put our virtual party <coughs> hats on. Here we are again, Paul. Here we are again, Janina. <laughs> Doing it, our favourite thing. It only seems like last Thursday we were here talking about 5G. <laughs> yes. And here we are again. And here we are again. And for everyone listening, today is April 1st, the time when we are recording this. Uh, because we had to do a little bit of rescheduling things. Uh, because we have a guest. Yes, we have a guest. And we have a really great guest. Yeah, one of my... Favorites. <laughs> One of your favorites. When Paul. it comes to 5G, there <laughs> yes. is nobody like this guy, I can tell you. Oh, yes. So, more about him later on, right? Because we have some great news as well. Tell us, Janina. Hit it. Hit it. We have reached over 10,000 downloads of this podcast. And we're super chuffed. Yes. Yes. I can't believe it. Ah. Oh, thank cool. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Keep <Thanks>. downloading. <laughs> thanks, all you listeners who's listening here. Uh, thank you, thank you, and thank you again from our little webcast studio here where we do the podcast. Sometimes with uh, drilling going on in the background and uh, Paul sliding back on his chair and uh, and <laughs> all the other not-so-professional things that's going on. <laughs> but... I mean, we have the heart. We have the we heart have the in heart. the right place, right? Right. And and quiet, Janina. Mm? Yeah, there is, there is drilling going There's on. There's drilling right? going on in the background. <laughs> As just, a celebration. Just, just, just for you listeners, uh, just to let you know, there's a big building program going on in, in, on site here that's probably going to last, I don't know, another 12 two, months or something. Yeah, or, yeah. Isn't it two um, years or something? Oh, I don't it's, know. We it's have uh, huge. we have multiple buildings that are scattered around, yeah. and they're doing some work to freshen them up and connect them together and and build a, what we call a campus. Yeah, which is uh, going to be really really great in winter time when it's not so pleasant to walk outside here in Stockholm, Sweden. So hopefully it will be better connections for us when we're walking. Better connections <laughs> when we're walking uh, between. <clears throat> All the buildings here, which we have to do. But look on the bright mm-hmm. side. We we do have five G. We have 5G. on campus. Yes. Although as uh, only not for us. Although, although as we learnt last week, if I had a five G phone uh, and I tried to connect to it, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Because it's only set up for test devices. But talking about if I had a five G phone, mm-hmm. a little bird yes. tells me. Yes. Oh, I'm so oh, excited. On, I'm so, so excited. excited this week. So, just. This morning, uh, I read that South Korean telcos are, are going to offer the Samsung uh, Galaxy S10 5G phone starting Friday. So start queuing now. Yeah. 
And uh, we have a we lot of stuff uh, although also. Although we looked at what was reported and we couldn't work out, are you actually going to get the phone in your little yeah. warm mitt? Yeah. Or are you just going to sign up, pay the money and, and, and be in the queue to get the first ones when they come rolling off the production line? But as we know, they have promised to launch 5G services in, in, April. in April. Yeah. So it's uh, the race is on there to, to get the first five, five, 5G smartphones out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they have already started the, the, the pre-orders now, so it sounds like they will actually get their phone on Friday. Mm. Yeah. If there's anyone in Korea listening, and we've, we're yes. pretty sure there are some, yeah, maybe have, you can message us hey. and say... <coughs> <laughs> we know that because we actually had, uh, this week we had, uh, you were number two listening from Korea. So thanks for that, and tell us more. Pick tell us number two on the top top chart of people <laughs> yes. listening to the yes. podcast. Tell us about what's happening uh, in fi- Korea. Yeah, five G podcast. This week, five G podcast at ericsson.com. Photos, please. Yes, photos. <laughs> yeah, if you can go around and snap some, uh, snap snap some five uh, G uh, antennas, that will be that will be good. Oh, that'd be excellent. Uh, I just read also that uh, April 19th is another big date for Korean operators. When uh, That's when the uh, LG is uh, launching their phone. V5 ThinQ. That's April, April 19th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Remember we had that uh, phone when we did the, our uh, 5G tweet from... Uh, that was an LG phone. Yeah, that was and an LG. I guess it's the same phone. I guess so. It was a, it was a uh, prototype, but it was a commercial uh, prototype okay. of, of a yep. commercial phone. So I'm guessing that that's it. April nineteenth. Lots happening in yes. Korea. Yeah. And I saw in the in the US that AT and T had shown over a gigabit per second now on their uh, commercial five G network with a hotspot. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something to do with them freeing up more spectrum to be able ah. to use in those locations. And those hotspots, they are the ones that they launched uh, in uh, in, in uh, December, December yeah. together with us. So that's your your own port- yeah together with us. That's your own <laughs> portable like high high a Wi-Fi device that you bear around and carry around with you. Can you have uh, no speedy Wi-Fi wherever you go? Mm. Yeah. But no, no smartphones yet there. And there, I mean, we, we're like... Is it's happening this, soon. Yeah, we're, like, we're in agreement that the networks are up. Uh, commercial networks are up. are up. But I'm not happy until they actually have a smartphone <laughs> that they can use. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. But, uh, yeah. It's strange, though. I've, I've not seen anyone launching a 5G stupid phone. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Perhaps next year. Perhaps next year. Yeah. We had also uh, a little bit of questions via LinkedIn from uh, Jim. Jim in Indiana. He asked, uh, what's happening with 5G in Sweden? And he did. Yeah, we talked about that last week in the 5G chipsets and devices with Lisa, where I pressed her a little bit about the test networks happening in Sweden. But perhaps we can uh, just uh, make a quick uh, comment about what is happening in Sweden. So what's happening in Sweden? Well, Sweden, um, well, Sweden has Ericsson, of course. So we've been quite active with uh, with the Swedish operators for some time. Uh, and if you remember, a few years back, uh, we started this thing called Five G for Sweden, 
which is a collaboration which we've had with uh, particularly with with different industry players like ABB and Volvo around uh, and Belieden around 5G applications for industries. So there's been a lot of work in this uh, in the Nordic area for around uh, preparation for 5G. Um, and uh, we can say that uh, if we look around the, the different operators, they're, they're all fairly consistent in saying that 5G commercial services for subscribers with, uh, with smartphones, uh, that's going to be around uh, 2020. Mm. Um, Telia, is, uh, w one of the switch operators, they're, they're saying that 2018, 2019, uh, research organisations and in industries will have access to 5G technology, uh, and we've uh, we've talked on here before about the the, for instance, the Volvo um, in Eskilstuna, uh, where they have a, a network set up to be able to test uh, 5G with um, with uh, uh, what do you call it? Self, not self-driving, but uh, remote driving for uh, connect connected vehicles. Yeah. So that, that's all kind of happening. Um, uh, Tele2 and Telenor have, have got together and said they're going to build a, a nationwide network for, for 5G. Uh, and they've bought some low band spectrum to be mm -hmm. able to, to, to help them with that. So that's 700 megahertz. So that's going to give you very good coverage. Uh, it's not not on its own going to give you super fast uh, uh, data speeds. Mm -hmm. um, but you can combine that, of course, with other spectrum. Mm. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have anything about uh, if there would be any fixed wireless access deployments or offerings in Sweden? Do you want the long answer or the short answer? H how about the short answer? No. No. Okay. The long answer was no as well. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I will be one of those ones that will have to wait a while. But we can, uh, I can do some digging and see what we know about fixed wireless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can, of course. Um, the, the other it was it was not in Sweden, but uh, uh, we've done some work also with Telia, Swedish operator mm -hmm. in uh, Estonia. Yes. You remember we uh, we had this uh, collaboration where we worked with them and one of the ferry companies, mm -hmm. uh, putting five G onto the onto the onto the port there, yeah. demonstrating that five G as a as a access technology, uh, as the ship comes into port, it gets a five G connection to the, to the land, so that you can stream information from the boat. Mm. So the people on the boat using Wi Fi can get access out to the internet in yeah. a way that was not possible before. Mm. So that was cool. Yeah, getting a really really good uh, access point then uh, when they are waiting for the ferry to leave, or coming into port. Or coming into port. Mm. Mm. Warm welcome to uh, our honored guests. 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 <laughs> now today, and thank you both for coming here. Paul, these are your favorite people. They are. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Uh, if you want to talk about 5G, we have the perfect people in the room to talk to us today. Yeah. So just to uh, announce you, you are Magnus Frodig. 
You're vice president and head of research at Ericsson. Very nice. Yeah. Hey, Magnus. Th- thank you very much. And we have also Håkan Andersson, head of technology strategy. Here. Yes. Yeah. And Mr. 5G. And Mr. 5G. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. And today we're going to talk 5G. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, wh- where are we going to start, Janina? We, I thought we'd where, start off Where with it all began. Yeah, where it all began. So you have a long history here at Ericsson. You've been working here for millions of years, almost. Mm. For a number of generations, at least, <laughs> <laughs> since yes. 30 years back. You can actually say that you've <laughs> yes. been here for generations. Exactly, that's true. <laughs> and we have, in the background, we have... Uh, who wants to live forever, <laughs> right? No, yeah. when we're talking generations, we're talking mobile yes, generations yes. here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think starting a little bit then where where sort of 5G all all be- began. And, and it's very clear when, it, when we went public with it. And that was in Mobile World Congress uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. Because then yes. we were launching the, the 5G concept. Mm-hmm. So I was standing there making a demonstration of it or, or presentations of the 5G concepts. And already then we talked about these things that we saw, of course, it would be more mobile broadband. Mm-hmm. But we also talked about this massive MTC or machine type communication use cases. And we talked about this critical machine type. Uh, and, and, and this has actually been fairly stable. Okay. And that was just a few years after actually launching 4G that we started talking about 5G then. So yeah. if mm-hmm. 4G was launched around 2010? Uh, 29, I think. Yeah. 2019, yeah. 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 And then 2013, yeah. exactly. we already started yeah. talking about So we, 20. of course, have had sort of research work going on before we, we launched it. And, and we started the first METIS project, that this project in the EU finance project, where, where we were setting sort of the, the framework around the, the standard by by doing research on, on, on how we should really construct it, I mean, yeah, how, define how, it. How will it work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that started 2012. And so, so, so it all started sort of fairly early, right? Uh, and then we thought we were aiming for 2020. Mm-hmm. And now that yeah. had come a little bit <coughs> earlier. And now but it's come at the end of 2018. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's so, so. No, yeah. but, but I had a question, it was like in terms, of, in terms of chicken and egg. Did we invent the technology and then look for mm. who was going to use it? Or, or did no, we see I, I a need? I, I think actually look, looking from f- for 5G, it, it did uh, represent a very big break in how we did think about generations from previous generations. I think if you look back... What we mainly focused was the use cases we already had, like voice and mobile broadband. And then we tried to see how can we make this use case better. And the typical requirement was that it should be 10 times better, 10 Mm -hmm. times higher data rates, 10 times shorter latency, 10 times higher capacity. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Is that Because that was such a success. If you look at the success and the impact we had as an industry, I mean, it did generate such a high demand on our services. So it was a race all the time to satisfy the ever-increasing demand mm. on those services. But I think, as, as Magnus said, when we started to look at 5G, I think we started to visualize also that the impact we had on communications in general between people, there are also signs that other transformations were ongoing, so we could have the same impact on other changes in society, mm-hmm. in uh, transformation of industries, in challenges we face in society with, uh, uh, I mean, 
the increase in traffic, health care costs and so on. So I think we had a vision that this time we could use also 5G for much more things than we have done in previous generation. Yeah. And I think that was a big break and that no. was what captured in METIS and other programs exactly. which Ericsson was driving. We uh-huh. have been talking about that uh, at the, on this podcast several yeah. times that we are still not sure what the killer app or the killer no. use for 5G actually will be. For 4G, it was like the smartphone came out of almost mm. nowhere. Uh, for 3G, it was like, oh, all of a sudden people started... Wapping. Wapping. <laughs> so but it's the like killer app for 2G was SMS and nobody expected that yes. at all. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no, but like I think, yeah. still but not I think sure. That, that also represents a very big difference from previous generations because this time, instead of uh, doing, so to say, this 10 times improvement, we were focusing a lot more on the flexibility in their interface. Actually, coding and modulation took time, kind of a backseat in this generation wise. And we were much, much focused, how can we make an air interface and a network that is so flexible that it can be configured for different type of use cases, Mm -hmm. for different type of devices. You have devices with 200 kilohertz bandwidth, with devices with hundreds of megahertz of bandwidth, and for also different frequency bands. We were foreseeing that we will go up much higher in frequency. So much, almost everything was about flexibility and how we can make an air interface that can cater for the unknown, more or less. We a- actually had in use cases, we had a question mark wow. on one of the use cases, just to capture that we weren't sure we would understand everything it would be used, but we were dead certain mm-hmm. we will try to make an air interface that can cater also for the question mark. Wow. And, and, and during this journey, it, it's, been, it's been fairly stable, this, this vision on, mm-hmm. on what we should use it for. So, so, so that's been there all the time. And uh, back in 2012 or some, not everybody were talking about the digitalization and the importance of digitalization and so on. And and now during the journey, of course, we have seen how the edge compute is coming. We have seen how the artificial in- intelligence is sort of making breakthroughs, right? And we really now see how it perfectly fits with this capability of connecting uh, sort of everything and... and, and mm-hmm. So and widespread is the acceptance that 5G will provide a kind of ubiquitous uh, I think infrastructure. Now, now it's uh, quite well accepted, I mm-hmm. would say. If you look at the, I mean, if you look at the industry, of course, it was standardized. It was accepted by all the players that is driving this. But I think also if you look at the traction it gets from other industries, you have uh, companies that is not used of using uh, wireless connectivity that actually is not starting to use it in manufacturing, in automotive, also in in uh, healthcare. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see how the devices can help out uh, by being connected and monitoring status of a patient. So I think it's it's very well accepted. Everybody is almost t- talking about 5G nowadays, mm-hmm. not the the usual suspect, but actually companies outside. Mm-hmm. And for example, we are was from Ericsson being seen in different contexts. Normally, Ericsson, we go to Mobile World Congress, which is our (laughs) type of uh, forum. Mm -hmm. This uh, week, we are at Hanover Mess instead, uh, presenting what we can do. And we have been there for a number of years now, Mm -hmm. uh, presenting the technology and actually getting huge interest. I remember the, the colleagues who were there the first time, that is a number of years back, they told me about how they wasn't sure about attraction. So they set up a small booth for Ericsson, and then they had some people who were able to discuss with the different industries. When they saw then the Ericsson sign in 5G, 
other people started to line up and it became so many people who wanted to meet Ericsson that they were having, having start to give up schedules. Okay, you can come between 10 and 10.20 and you can come 10.20 to 10.40. <laughs> I mean, it was a huge success just being yeah. there. And I think that also demonstrates that we have been able to actually capture a need in other sectors of, of the industries to utilize uh, wireless connectivity. So we were mm. hitting quite nicely and, in the right And we've place. done a lot of work with different yes. programs with, uh, with, with industries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think in, in the beginning, of course, we, we were out sort of telling about the technology and pushing it out a little bit in this 5G. We started then in 5G for, for Sweden program. Mm -hmm. And then we... Uh, and what is that? Yeah, it, it, w it was an initi initiative that we took in order to make early 5G pilots mm -hmm. with other industries. So. We, we have done, one was called PIM, and that was done in, in mining, and that was nice. in the Boliden mine, mm. where we were demonstrating the use of 5G in a mine, and, and all the efficiency gains that you can do by that. And, and that's including things like remote control of vehicles and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it it's, goes from everything to having more efficient ventilation, and to have remote control of vehicles, or automated vehicles and, and, and of course th their end end goal is to have the, the mine completely uh, no no people at all in the mine so to say that's where they're aiming at mm. and then we were doing a similar thing with uh, Volvo construction equipment and there we mm. had yeah. de another yeah. demo the other day on on, on uh, now they bringing that to commercial yeah. So it's really shifted from this that we, we were pushing our technology in the beginning now to having to feel this big pull of, of that they really want to, to utilize this technology. Mm. Yeah. So it's a, a, extremely good traction. And then we did uh, even more, I think, we, we have uh, in, in Germany, where, where their industry is, of course, the leading in, in Industry 4.0 and uh, connecting back to the Hannover Messe, yeah. where there's a uh, huge interest now mm -hmm. to use the, the 5G technology in, in the smart factories. And just mm -hmm. Industry 4.0, that's the fourth generation of industry. Yeah? Their generation or a little bit longer. I wouldn't have survived <laughs> four <laughs> generations. <laughs> because I think they started with the steam engine. That's oh, the yeah. first one. <laughs> so a few hundred years So back. fourth yeah. generation of industrialization, yes. basically. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm. And, and just to say, as, as I think we've mentioned on here before, Industry 4.0 is, is, is actually kind of a European term. If you come from the US, it's less widely known. Yeah, I think you talked about the IIC, I think, Industrial Internet Connectivity Consortium, they have there. So there are other terms or industrial yeah. transformations in other parts of the world, but with the same aim, I would say, of, yeah, of uh, exactly. utilizing uh, wireless connectivity uh, and AI and uh, in general connectivity to transform their respective processes. And I think we have demonstrated, especially in Germany and also in, in Bolinen, I mean, when we start calculating the bottom line value we bring, it actually is quite substantial gains they get within their respective uh, use cases. Mm. And I think also when we started these programs, as, as Magnus said, I mean, we had the technology, we kind of understood what it could be used for, but I think we also needed to learn. So a lot of these programs was for us to capture uh, a lot of the insights we could gain by collaborating with the big players in the other industry. Mm. And I think we were out early and I think it has given us an advantage also now that we were earlier understanding how this would impact our solutions, which, yeah. is, which is a good start. And I think in, in Getting general, the requirements in. Exactly. Mm. And I think this is actually something which Ericsson is quite good at. It's engaging and 
utilizing our leading research in a very, very early state mm -hmm. to understand how the industry is moving and also give a very good input into those developments. So if we go back to the air interface again, as we said, it's flexibility, not coding and, and uh, modulation, which was previous. And we actually reused the LT. And we had then an understanding that if we can uh, harmonize this generation, it gives a lot, lot more flexibility in how to introduce 5G. Mm. And this is the baseline for, for example, software upgradability. It's not so well known, but Ericsson, we have shipped 3 million 5G base stations. Yeah. Because we were mm. able to anticipate the development in the industry. Mm. We were able to have strong research that actually uh, had an impact on the development. We could take height of that one in our product development so that we were early out delivering 5G products and now it's part also of the dynamic spectrum sharing type of capabilities that is possible now in this generational shift which was not possible earlier generations. Yeah, and what's that, was that uh, then revolutionary when those thoughts it, came up? It, it was, because mm. we were breaking with a 40-year-old recipe. I it mean, was. as I said, it was always 10 times better performance a new modulation and coding scheme. That mm. was what we had FDMA, TDMA, CDMA, OFDM. And suddenly we said, no, no, this is wrong. We don't, shouldn't do this just because it's always been done. We should look at other aspects. And then we ended up with OFDM again, but with a very flexible scheduling capabilities and numerology capabilities. And then we focused on the flexibility part. So, so that was actually breaking with tradition and we were the leading part in that. Yeah. And the trick is really to make the new standard in such a way that the old standard is a subset of the yeah. new. Because if you do it like that, you could then introduce a new standard and you can still, still serve your, your old customers on, on, on the previous standard, right? Mm. Mm. And um, that makes the migration so much simpler for, for operators because then they don't need to empty the spectrum band with all their customers in order to turn on the new. Now mm. they can gradually turn on the new and then over time, it will only be the new to be used when the old uh, devices are getting fewer and fewer. Yeah. So this is, this is of course, a key property that uh, we have yeah, been able to, to, to create. Uh, and, and we see that with the Internet of Things mm -hmm. technologies as well, CATM and, and narrowband IoT, that they, exactly. they're yeah, going exactly. to be forward compatible yeah. into, into mm -hmm. the 5G. Exactly. Program. Here the development took off, uh, and this was one of the sort of 5G use cases, but these were, were even more accelerated, so that was all already sort of implemented as a software upgrade on the on the 4G mm. networks, right? But, but, but the email, when we now can't take the 4G with us, we get these things with us as well. Yeah, but it's so interesting the timeline that you paint because mm. if it, you know if we're already talking 5G in 2012, 2013, narrowband IoT. No, standard mm. was standardized quite a bit later than that. So, exactly. so it's yeah. actually had the benefit of understanding what's going to come in the future when, mm. when that technology has been launched. Mm. So this is um, this has turned on, out very successful. The, the flexibility, how to use the spectrum, and how to migrate, mm. and how to keep uh, the existing standards living through these generation shifts. Mm. So so this opens up for a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Mm. And I think just on building on that, because as Magnus said, I mean, we started to see how we can make this type of smoother transition. Then Ericsson actually was first in coming up with a concept which we call forward compatibility or lean carrier. Because then we said, well, not just see how we can kind of make it uh, harmonized with LT in a good way. Can we utilize this thinking to be harmonized to things that can be added forward? 
going forward. So actually the air interface was specified also with a possibility to do actually quite dramatic technology steps mm. within that uh, specification framework. And yeah. we call it forward compatibility or lean carrier. So right. that means we can actually put in quite dramatic things where previous we would perhaps have had to wait for a new generation because it would break backwards compatibility of the devices, which means it would have upset the existing devices up there. But now we can add a lot of new fun things without jeopardizing the performance of those devices that are already out there. And for some use cases like narrowband IoT, where we talk about 20 years battery lifetime, it would not be so happy to say, and by the way, we changed the air interface in three years. <laughs> and we can keep those services going forward with, and we can do things which is quite very nice and exciting mm -hmm. without telling them that, well, the battery is there, but you still need to change because we have made sure they don't need to change neither for battery nor for technology reasons. And I remember also like just a few years ago when uh, other uh, suppliers were talking about 4.5G, 4.9G, mm -hmm. and while Ericsson was quite bold in saying this is 5G and ended up actually being right because we, I mean, it was uh, this smooth migration towards mm. 5G and not this technology yeah, shift. Yeah. So I guess we, we were right on that. We, yeah. we, we, we were 5G already. <laughs> yeah, with but our I think this, this <laughs> shows, and I think, as I said, historically also, we have, Ericsson had, we have had a extremely good research in many generations. And mm -hmm. that means we have been very good at anticipating what will happen because we have had a foresight in the research to understand. And by also being well, a good understanding of what's going to happen, we have a possibility to influence because if you know your stuff and you're good and you understand where you're heading, also people will listen. And that happens in standardization and other parts. I think we are quite strong. It's something mm -hmm. we should mm -hmm. pat ourselves on the yeah. chest for. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's really interesting now. I, I, we are asked about uh, deploying 5G, right? But we have, of course, already started to work on, on sort of what, what, what will they be the evolution of 5G, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, wow. so that's already. already yeah. <laughs> Do we have any sneak sneak? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think we are, we are in parallel with, with the connectivity build out. We are seeing the, the, the more and more the build out of more and more edge compute, mm -hmm. how the big web scale data center providers are building out towards the edge and how now operators have the possibility to extend the edge even further out in their network, of course. Can you just quickly, because I don't think we've talked about edge computing that much on this podcast. No, we've not, actually. We no. should do more. Yes, yeah. definitely should do more. But can you just quickly yeah, summarize so, so what is yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> towards I mean, the edge? Mm? We, ha we have sort of, today we're using more and more sort of cloud services over the top, so, so you can have your your... Your, your storage and compute being handled in, in one of these big uh, cloud providers. And of course, if you would like to do some more advanced things, you would like to get uh, shorter response times, you want to handle a huge amount of data, it's of course convenient if that edge, uh, that compute and and storage is getting closer to you, that is on the edge of the network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so physically close yeah, to your location. Exactly, yeah. because you need that f to have a really short round trip delays, obviously, and, and also to reduce the, the need of transporting huge data volumes over, lo over long mm. distances and so and, and in things like manufacturing context, that yeah. could actually be... Yeah, I usually used factory. to joke with these researchers. I mean, they do get 10 times improved data rates and 10 times higher capacity. 
what they haven't been able to ch get is to 10 times faster speed of light. <laughs> so, I mean, that is fairly constant. <laughs> and, and I think that's why distances start to play a role. If you really want to go down to latency, mm. you need to have your compute resources close to where it's consumed. And then mm. we talk about the edge. I mean, it's moving it out further. So, of course, factories would like to have their own storage and compute, of course, uh, yeah. locally. Uh, but also if you want to use augmented reality and services like that, you also need a very short round-trip time in order to, to experience a good service. Yeah. So there's a lot of things pushing um, the, the compute closer and closer to the end users. Yeah, and, and of course if, if I'm using a mobile device, that, that storage and uh, computing resource that's in the, in the edge needs to follow me around. Yeah, exactly. So if yeah. And, yeah. And, and if, and if I move, then and it, it needs will to move as well. And the thing that you, the services that you would like to use will, of course, demand more and more compute capabilities going forward. So doing it all on the device will not be feasible. So you want mm -hmm. to offload the device. So you want to offload the device towards the, the network and then, yeah. of course, to the edge of the network. Mm -hmm. So that's why the, this, this, the focus now is very much on, on the availability and the build-out of edge compute. And then I think it's... What we then are doing research on is how you can then combine the connectivity and the compute. So you would like to have, a, you would like to have your sort of slice, and the slice should should give you the connectivity and the compute. So you should allocate these both uh, together. So so you mm. need to, the compute need to be aware about the connectivity and the opposite. And building this sort of fabric of Connectivity and compute is, of course, one of our key focuses going forward. Going forward. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, of course, you would like to do your AI real-time on mm. top of that in a distributed fashion on this fabric of, of connectivity and compute. Mm -hmm. So these are really sort of the focus areas looking forward. Going and forward. any special area of AI? Yeah, uh, I think... The AI is, is extremely broad field, and from from research Ericsson research point of view, we need to be a little bit selective on where we focus. And just so everyone understands, AI means artificial intelligence. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. But interesting for us is then um, how how to make it possible to to do the AI in a distributed way mm -hmm. in the network. Yeah. So and having uh, like the brain in the cloud. Exactly, <laughs> but. Not in sort of one central location, but really mm. available for you when you're moving around. And if you can do that, you can also do more real-time uh, type of applications. Mm -hmm. So more than, are you thinking more robotics things with AI or are you mm. thinking other? Or is it yeah, robotics is a, is a good example because, of course, there you can have everything in the robot if you like, but moving mm. out the robot controller and the intelligence mm -hmm. into the to the network would give you the, f the the possibilities that one robot learned things that could be used by other robots. Mm -hmm. If they have multiple robots, they can solve the tasks together. So all of this, mm -hmm. if you think one robot, mm, perhaps you can do it with the intelligence in the robot. But if you think 10,000 robots that should solve something, obviously you would like to have uh, the intelligence and the compute around this in the network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing stuff. Any more thing that things that you're thinking of when it comes to the future? Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're really sort of on, 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 on the radio piece here, mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm foreseeing that we will we will of course have an increased uh, demand on, on data rates and, and data volumes, 
And um, combining that with, with now the trend of going higher and higher up in frequency, now the millimeter waves mm. uh, equipments, then you see that you will you will be it will be very attractive to have sort of indoor deployments in areas where you have an extremely high demand mm. and today then we have sort of a massive MIMO solution where we have a lot of antennas we can have several hundreds of antennas concentrated into one access point and, and that of course works very well but it would be even better if you can have a distributed uh, way of having your antennas. Ah, I think I recognize <laughs> this one. Yeah. We we talked about this in our Mobile World Congress episode where Burje actually cut a band of uh, radio stripe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? So that's um, a, I mean, the, the stripe is really one way of building such <coughs> such a uh, distributed uh, massive MIMO system mm. because then you can distribute the antennas in 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 the surroundings okay. and then you will have sort of different angles of arrival from all of these different antennas. Because mm. all we've but, seen but is like basically tape. Yeah, yeah can you describe yeah, what then is it? <laughs> what is the radio strike? What's the concept? Yeah. Well, it, it is uh, the radio part, antenna and radio part of a base station uh, situated multiple of these ones along a big tape you could say. Mm. And on the tape you have a, a printed, it's an ethernet cable. So you can actually communicate with a different uh, radio headset that are separated along this uh, cable. And you can have multiple frequencies on them. That could be so you have a multi-band solution. But also, you, since you create these separated, you can create exactly what Mino said, this, this distributed MIMO. So you get beams coming from very far separated, and you can start pointing towards a point instead of just an angle. And, and so, so this is a way of, of rolling out that type of solution in a way that is uh, yeah, very feasible. I mean, you can have it in your pocket, <laughs> tape roll in the pocket, rolling it up and putting it on, on the wall or around or a curved or area. Behind exactly. the wallpaper. And, and it has yeah. its own Ethernet connectivity on it. And it also has a lot of Ericsson innovations on how to address these different radio heads separately so you don't drive up... Uh, so say extreme high uh, data requirement because then the ethernet wouldn't work. Mm. So you can address beam forming information individually to each of these radio heads. So it's a lot of very nice innovations in that part also. Yeah. But, and you can uh, roll it up and put it in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. You can look at, at each of these radio heads and are, I mean, like, uh, I think eight times eight millimeter or something like that. Wow. And that one you have integrated the radio, the beamforming uh, capabilities, and a number of antennas. Mm. So it's, it's sometimes when when you see the amount of integration that grows into yeah, integrated yeah. circuits, mm. yeah. it's sometimes surprising that the equipment that we have is so big, <laughs> because all of the work is done by these mm. tiny little circuits. That, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, but that that will change now yeah, going exactly. forward with the millimeter wave um, mm. focused products, mm. right? Because the level of integration also on the analog side will increase dramatically. Mm. And we can see that already now in our first 5G 28mm uh, wave products, how many antennas you can get in into one of these small panels. Mm. Mm. And then on the back of that panel you will have the, the sort of the filters and the radios and the digital. Yeah. So you can actually have digital processing already then up in the integrated with the antenna. Mm. So that's exactly what we are seeing. So, so, so the new 
the f- these kind of products will have a, diff- uh, have a smaller form factor. Mm. So, the, so the radio stripe is, is looking at how you take that and, and, and move it one step further mm. into Yeah, in, you distil- into I mean, if you look at the millimeter wave, there you have uh, a 128 uh, power amplifiers feeding 64 dual polarized antennas. No, I believe it's technical. Mm. But I mean, if you cut them apart, you can see that each of these pieces, if you take uh, uh, four dual polarized antennas and uh, eight PAs, it's not that big part of that, so to say, area. And mm. that's what we're starting to distribute with the radio stripe now, mm. those small units. When do you think radio stripe will become reality? And t- today it's research. Mm. We are doing this together with universities, with Lincha universities. I think it is a few years. It, <laughs> I have told the salespeople to not sell it tomorrow. <laughs> <at least. laughs> Perhaps the day after. But <laughs> no, but it, it, it actu- I think it's, it's, it is a, a real thing. I mean, from, from a concept point of view, it actually is, is feasible and implementable. Mm. Uh, I so think we are, we are seeing the first version is, is of yeah. course, the, the, the radio dot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And if you think about a few generations of that, I think it will yeah. it will move exactly. slowly towards this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's the radio dot that already does distribution. Yeah, exactly. Mind, so and yeah. and you have uh, Ethernet cable connectivity to the radio dot, so it actually takes that a step further mm-hmm. and put it on a tape roll. <laughs> and just <laughs> to <laughs> explain things here a little bit, oh. uh, the <laughs> what is a radio the Ericsson dot? radio dot is an indoor system. Like it looks like a. An indoor uh, fire alarm thing. Yeah, it's about the, 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 the. There's a few different models that vary in size a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. a, but it's like a, a about the same size as you say as a fire alarm that's on the on the ceiling mm-hmm. for giving improved uh, indoor yeah. coverage. And it's yeah. radio had an, an intelligence to do beamforming other things in a small unit interconnected with Ethernet. So it is. A little bit like the uh, st- uh, strip, but a little bit bigger version. Bigger so version, far, uh, yeah. And not put on a tape roll. <laughs> but, that's, but that's like yeah. the difference between uh, our original 5G mobile yeah, and the, the, and the exactly. ones which, one yeah. which are being announced oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we had that one on uh, many years back. It was the first 5G mobile, the uh, BBC announced it, so they had it there. And it was this yeah, <laughs> caught the role. <laughs> the, was the floor cleaning machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that is also something which I think we have learned. Uh, I mean, when you look at technologies, people looked at that mobile and say, that's very big. But I mean, when you do the first implementation, you have to think on when it's going to be ready. Because if you look at how technology evolves, if you would make a concept uh, that is implementable when you develop the concept, then you would be five years obsolete Mm -hmm. when the technology comes. So you have to make a concept which is impossible to implement when you develop the concept. Mm-hmm. And then you have to extrapolate technology evolution five years forward. And then you understand, yes, this will make it in five years' time. Yeah. Because if you make the concept on the current technology, you will be obsolete. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. And yeah. I think we are, we are surprised of what we are now capable to do with, with the yeah. digital yeah. beamforming and, um, mm. and everything with so many antennas on so high frequencies. So, so I think we, we have really made huge uh, advances when, when it comes yeah. to the hardware and the realization mm. of this technology in parallel with, with defining the standard. Yeah, yeah. so uh, actually uh, this week we just talked about that earlier before you arrived that uh, that uh, we have the first phone coming out uh, yes. Samsung on, on Friday looks like. Uh, we had also I think LG phones at the Mobile World Congress. Yeah but only prototype yeah. 
And that's coming up April 19th. Just read up on it. But it was, this is the news from Korea, that yeah. the Korean mm-hmm. operators are yeah. on Friday this week. But yeah. if you'll be able to yeah. put your money down for a, for yeah. a smartphone. Yeah. No, but it is, it is uh, happening, as I said. It seems to take off now, projected to take off faster than LTE, which we didn't anticipate. We were so proud of what we did in LTE. But it is it, it's moving fast. And if you think also of LTE, uh, initial rollout, there weren't even phones. You had dongles. Mm. So, so it was the same there. Yeah, like well, I think we're even faster seeing yeah. real handset mm. phone factor yeah. phones this time. Yeah. And when will we start? Talking about 6G. <laughs> mm, yeah. we, we just have. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, universities, of course, are, 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 are always already looking at, uh, at this. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that it's, um, it's absolutely needed to start to do research on possible technologies mm-hmm. that should go into such uh, a concept. But start to defining it and, and start to do research on, on exactly how it would look like. That would be a little bit too early, I think, because the first we need to get a little bit of feedback w- on the 5G, actually using mm. that and see w- what, what, what what works and, and w- what could be improved and, and so on. Realizing what, what will it will actually be used for. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think from a pure timing perspective, it, it's still... It's still many years before before we will start to uh, to roll out such systems, right? Yeah. Mm. But I think also this comes back to what we discussed in forward compatibility and the way we define 5G. I think we have the way technology evolves. I think if we would keep again the old recipe of waiting every 10 years to do something new, yeah. things would happen too fast. So that's mm. why this concept of forward compatibility in 5G is so important because we can put a lot of effort in developing new technologies and with a way of packing them into 5G, we can actually capture the benefit of those much faster than having to wait for a 5G. So I think this is quite important also. Mm. We have a way of being more agile in taking advantage of fun things that happens uh, upcoming years. So perhaps there won't even be a 6G. It will just be <laughs> a long Fine. evolution. Exactly. I don't know, but I think it's uh, of course you never know. But yeah, but, yeah, no, but um, typically there there are things happening and, and new realities coming yeah. up, right? And and completely new mm. new requirements. So let's let's see. Let's see yeah. what happens. And, and we'll almost certainly have a five point five G and a five point nine G before we get there. <laughs> But I mean, That's my prediction. yeah. <laughs> if if we would continue this podcast, then we would probably need to change the name around 2025. Then, if we right, then we might be starting to talk about. 16. You mean, but we need to get to talk about the voice of 16. The voice of 16. So around that time, it's could, a couple of years. Could be, yes, could be. Uh, but I think uh, again, <laughs> I think still uh, within the five year, I think we have a lot of exciting things to look forward to. So that For is going sure. to keep us busy, and we can have a number of podcasts on what happens in, just, in those parts. Just so. before we started recording, we had a lot of ideas that we need to yeah, exactly. get in there because there is a lot of things. Happening. It is, and I think and it, it is a testament of the correctness or success we have had in seeing other opportunities outside the mobile broadband, the, the traction and the interest we get from other industries. It is an exciting. I sometimes, uh, I, I use it actually compared this generation 
like the way when we move from uh, fixed telephony to mobile telephony because it has an impact in other segments on the society similar like we cut the cord for ordinary telephony now we're cutting the cord for a lot a huge range of different other use cases yeah. so it is a, a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity to experience Ooh, <laughs> it is wow. fun it is fun wow i think that's amazing last comments for this podcast yes thank you so much magnus and yeah. Håkan for Thanks being here thank you uh, and we hope to get uh, more of you and more of your colleagues in future podcasts uh, but i think we had a really nice uh, deep dive into what's happened and what's coming up so thank you everyone for listening and see you next week thank you bye